sound I've never been a part of any bullshit scene No, I ain't just talking Nashville You know what I mean, they don't write about me They're magazines, I don't ask for no reviews on the songs that I sing I've never had a lot of friends, and I'm alright by that That, my friends, was uh, one of the baddest dudes on the planet, Cody Jinks, live in Clarksville last Thursday night. Welcome to the North Spring Sessions podcast with DK. I'm your host, Dustin Kennedy, on a unusually warm for February Monday day. Uh, very nice. Uh, it's coming along, guys. We may Hopefully we get past all this terrible weather that I fussed about on the last podcast or the podcast before. You know, I don't. they all run together for me. And... Uh, so welcome back. The first time we've recorded since uh, January 24th. Meant to get out here all weekend. It is what it is. Like Shane Key said today, there's no rhyme or reason. I just I got it downloaded, and when it pops up, I listen to it. So I hope ever, the rest of you are listening as well. Sound looks like you are by the amount of downloads. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. And that's the first thing I'll cover this week: uh, the Cody Jinx Show. What a what a fantastic uh, opportunity got to attend last Thursday night at the um, F and M Bank Arena. In Clarksville, Tennessee, I don't know much about Clarksville, but um, you know, is you know, I got to see Cody Jinks in some smaller places back, you know, seven, eight, nine years. I don't know, seven, eight years ago, probably. But when I really discovered him, uh, when I got tipped off to start listening to him, uh, he was kind of already making his ascension. So I wasn't really late to the game like I, I was on some guys, but I wasn't early to the game on him like I was with Sturgill and. Cole and Childers and Shooter and those guys. So, uh, so how it all came about? If uh, if you if you've seen my Facebook and you've seen us with with Cody, um, basically the night before on Wednesday, I was just up uh, playing with Bayless up in the bedroom, playing video games, and he was kind of going through some roster stuff. So I just kind of got on Facebook and started scrolling. And Jinx put on there and said, "Hey, if you're in Tennessee and you're in the Fam Club, check your email." Really. Really cool deal or something. I forget how it was worded. So I'm not in the fan club because I'm 40, right? And I'm like, I'm not going to be a part of a fan club. He like he calls his the fam club. And I was in it originally when they first started. Get you a T-shirt, koozie, and whatever, you know, just stuff they give you. And I thought, I don't know. I feel pretty good about this one. This, is, this feels like a rare thing if you can get in on it. So I, I did join and uh, join the fam club. And, of course, whatever they whatever they're sending me in their package, it's on the way. I don't know. But uh, so after you get in, basically there was a video sent to you. said, hey, guys, Jinx here from an undisclosed location in Clarksville, Tennessee, and we're going to offer 15 of you fam club members a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, something we've never, ever done before. We're going to do a private rehearsal with a new stage set up, basically a concert with 15 of you guys plus a guest. Uh, you just have to email so-and-so at CodyJinx.com. So I looked at it, and it was posted like 25 minutes before that, or 30, probably 35 by the time I joined the club back. Um, and But I did. I just emailed, uh, I think, Lisa. Lisa, I think is her name. Um, and just said, hey, I'm interested. If you got any spots left, thanks. Five minutes later, boom. Hey, Dustin, you're in. Send me your full name, and, and if you're bringing a plus one. 
So I run down. And I'm excited. I'm like, Lindsay, I'm in. I'm in. Like, you know, we're going to have to change uh, pickup. We're going to have to change who in the hell ever pick up and our kids tomorrow. Cause it ain't going to be me. Daddy's got the night off. And uh, she was like, so what did this cost you? I was like, I just said, join the fam club. She goes, so what? And I said, it's $65. So it's not free. You had to pay $65 to get. I'm like, yeah, but if I get to meet Cody Jinx tomorrow night and get to pitch some stuff to him, I, I feel like that's a pretty cool, it's worth $65, Lindsay. I mean, well, whatever. <laughs> it's too close to her bedtime for her to be excited about anything, but uh, slobbered on her pill a little bit. And uh, so anyway, fast forward. I owe Jeremy Tolleson, my buddy from Cookville, I owed him a favor because eight, uh, six years ago uh, when Cody played Ascend, I had tickets and Tolleson called me and said, hey, man, uh, do you want to go to Cody Jinx? And I was like, oh, I've already got tickets, Tolleson. I appreciate it. You know, I said, my, my seats are fine. He goes, well, I was just given two tickets and a backstage pass and meet and greet. And I said, well, I'll change my mind. I'll sell my tickets right now. Uh, he just said, well, you know, um, if you ever uh, have a chance to repay the favor, don't forget me. So I called him and I said, hey, here, I'm going to cash my favor back in to you for six years ago. And he, unfortunately, he couldn't go. Um, so I asked Lindsey and Waylon, and just time-wise, neither one of them could go because of work and because of ball. So I called old Mackie. I said, no, Mackie. The Thursday night, I got to work the next day. Okay, I'm not retired like some people. And uh, dude, what an opportunity! We got there early, and uh, I tell you what's really cool, and it's going to sound like I'm bragging on it, but I'm really not. It was just I've never experienced this outside of ten minutes from home. And there was a man and a woman kept looking at me, and I kept looking at them. After like the third, second or third time, I was like, "What the hell? I don't know these. I don't think I know these people." And I just thought, "Why are they staring?" And uh, finally, they just asked. Well, I can't remember which one of them even asked. It just happened so quick. And they're like, hey, where are you from? And I said, Gainesboro or Cookville and Gainesboro area. But I do host shows at the Moonshine Distillery. I said, well, that's the Hunt family. I said, yeah, I rent it to host shows. And they're like, I told you that's him. I was like, oh, have y'all been to a show before? I said, uh, they said, yeah. And I said, Tony Logue? I said, or no, I said, where are y'all from? They said, Paducah, Kentucky, a little over three hours away from you. And I said, oh, did you go to Tony Logue? They said, no, Tim Gooden in March. They said, it was packed, you know. And, we thought that was you, and I said, that's really cool. And we talk about the festival. Um, her name was Al uh, Alana Jordan. I think her husband's name is Michael. Uh, and I'm so sorry if I get it wrong. I just it happened so quick. I'm terrible with names. Um, really nice people. And then another lady came over and said, "Hey, I don't, I don't mean to in, uh, interrupt, but are you Dustin with North Springs Music Festival?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "Are you, you really?" She goes, "Yeah, I came to the festival last year. I can't remember where she said she was from. Not inside of Nashville, I think though." And she's like, "I'm coming back. I loved it." And I said, "Well, two days this year, so." Better, better become prepared. And Jeremy's like, are you shitting me? And I was like, you're in, presence, you're in the presence of greatness right now, Mac. I don't have to tell you, buddy. You're, it could have been anybody, but you're the one here. You're the one here. You better enjoy it. <laughs> but uh, the Josh Morningstar pops up. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with Josh Morningstar, you should change that uh, first and foremost. Um, he is a very well-respected songwriter, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, – how I met him was backstage at a Shooter Jennings show at City Winery in July of 2016. Um, Josh, I thought, did a great job. He opened the show, and that's actually the, the same night I met Julie Roberts. So that show, you know, never got to do anything with Shooter, obviously, but that show opened up a lot of doors, you know, making my connection with Julie and then eventually, you know, getting a relationship, or, or not a relationship, but a, a, you know, getting to know Josh Morningstar. Because after that, he was playing Layla's 
and I forget the town. Um, I think it was in Maryland. This guy was so, tr- working so hard to, to break in that he was driving from Maryland. I want to say like Lettysburg or I can't remember the town. But Maryland to Broadway like on a Tuesday or Wednesday for the, like a terrible time slot at Layla's. Layla's and Roberts, two, you know, two of the only places still on Broadway that actually plays good, you know, country music that's not living on a prayer and uh, <laughs> pour some sugar on me kind of Broadway music. Um he was playing like at one o'clock during the day, and me and Mackie went to that also, and you know, it kind of felt for Josh because he that day it was like me, Jeremy, the bartender, and Josh Morningstar, and you'd have some people come in here and there, but they'd walk out and they'd stay for a song or two and they'd leave, and um, wasn't too long after that. I know the very next week actually I saw it on Twitter that Cody Jinx rolled up in there, so we missed Jinx by a week basically and it wasn't too long after that they kind of linked up i think and now some of the bigger songs of cody not bigger songs but i mean like quite a bit you know it must be the whiskey is one that um i know josh wrote for uh cody since one of his bigger songs that, that was not to diminish josh but to say you know cody's got a lot of big songs and um so yeah morning star was was there um he about a month ago actually he he put on uh Facebook that he was kind of wanting to get out and do some stuff like some house show parties, private parties, and so I emailed him and I said, "Hey man, I don't know if you remember me, but um, met you at Shooter, come to some of your shows, uh, had you on the One Lane Road podcast, which was a great interview by, by the way. It's still in the archives if you want to go back and listen to any One Lane Road interviews with me and my boy Lucas Eichmann. They're they're still on Apple and Spotify from back in the day. Just don't judge us. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. Um, not that I do now, all these years later, still, but uh." Um, and he said, yeah, of course I remember you, man. And he told me what he would come play for me for, and it was ridiculous. And I told him who I wanted to partner up with on those shows, and we kind of had agreed to it, just kind of waiting for the venue to develop. Um, so I told him, you know, I, I, I introduced myself, and I said, hey, man, I don't know if you remember me. He goes, of course. I, you know, I told him my name. He's like, yeah, of course. And he's like, you know, we talked about the email, and both were still interested. We just got to make it work with, with some stuff he's got going on uh, that I don't think he's announced yet. So, uh I did get to share a story with him. Of course, the headliner for this year's Horse Springs Music Fest, Ward Davis. Um, I said, you know, I was sitting with Ward and Natalie one day at the, at the little tavern where Ward used to come when he lived here. And I said, you know, he was talking about how many songs he'd written for Jinx's record. And I said, his wife kind of busted his balls. I said, yeah, you still hadn't, written, hadn't uh, wrote as many as Morningstar has. And we kind of laughed about it. But he goes, dude, you, he's like, you're about to see something you've never seen in your life. He said, this is a concert. Like, you're getting to see Cody Jinx up close with nobody else in the arena. And, you know, like I said, it's nowhere near as uh, cool as the opportunity Dave O and quite a bit of them got in Gainesboro a few years ago and I always bust Dave O's chops about. Uh, they got to have a private show with Ward and Cody in Gainesboro while I was sitting home eating Dairy Burger, you know, uh, with my family. And I remember Dave O saying you know, DK's the biggest Cody Jinx fan. We got to invite him, and I understand. I mean, it was like a, you know, if, if you never, you know, I busted Dable's balls about it, but whatever. It's like, it's like, you know, if if you get to host these guys and there's only X amount of people, you know, if, you're, if you don't usually run with that crowd, I mean, how you going to be mad at somebody? They wouldn't have been my first 10, 15 pick. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I never was mad. I was like, Dabo, I cannot believe you didn't invite me. Knowing I've been talking about Warden Cody for five years down here. Why everybody else was sleeping, not everybody. But I said, now y'all get to hang. Yeah, just you know, one day I'll be a VIP like a war, like a like Davo, <laughs> you know. So, um, 
funny time. But, uh, yeah, so Cody in a damn empty arena. It's a little small basketball arena. Kind of, It's actually smaller than uh, the hoop at Tennessee Tech. But uh, just just really cool. And Cody was like, what are y'all doing? You know, and then he, he come out and sang a couple times, like on Cast No Stones. He let the crowd sing, and he was right there with us. Basically, it was like this imaginary line. Well, it wasn't imaginary, but you just – we just stood there and uh, watched him watched him play, and uh, basically he just said, "Hey, this is a whole new set." He had had the Wolf backdrop for several several years, um, and so it was more like a like a playing card, an open point, you know, open sign and uh, neon Cody Jinx, with the flashing lights, and um, pretty neat. He goes, "Yeah, I want y'all to put videos and um, pictures and everything all over Facebook. Be the spoilers, we put it all over the internet, and let everybody see what they're about to see." Um, uh, this week, and of course, he was performing. And somebody said, Hey, sounds good. And he goes, I better. We're opening for Turnpike this week, so we better have our stuff together. And he even said stuff like, You know, at the end of the night, we play our last songs, and we go off the stage, and y'all chant, we come back out. And he goes, Well, I'm usually back there pissing, and then we're pissing. And, you know, and he's like, A little behind the scenes there. We have to, we've drank a lot of Miller Light, and we go back in, take a leak, and we come back when you start chanting our name. So, uh, then he got done. He said, Hey, uh, what was really cool, he, 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 hollered at Morningstar and he said hey man you want to play sing this song and Josh came out and he said you wrote the effing song man come sing it you know so it was a, a really cool moment to see up close just something up close like that and uh, I could truly say it, it was the very first time like his staff all said hey Cody's never done this we've we've never opened a rehearsal up to the public uh, the public being 30 people 15 fam club members and a plus one truly unfor- unforgettable experience and uh so I told him at the end of the show, like when we, he's like, "Hey, give me five minutes and I'll be out there to meet you guys." And so I wished I would have waited farther back in line, but it was just, um, but the way the line was formed, I was just kind of right there, like the third or fourth person to meet him. So which I learned a long time ago, just hang to the back. That way you get all the time you need. But I just was like, because I rush, because you got twenty people behind you, and like I don't want to take up too much time. But basically, his album is called Change the Game. It's coming out March 22nd. And he put out something on social media not too long ago that said, how can I change the game for somebody in 2024? So I mentioned that to him. Of course, I can say, I can sound like a real smooth sell, uh, salesman now, but it's just kind of awkward. Meet and greets are so awkward. And I'm, I've done enough of them. I'm not really starstruck. You know, I've met, I've, I've met people in my life that I never, ever dreamed as a child I would have met, like a like, you know, the Shaquille O'Neal, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels. Um, you know, there's, you know, go on, Eddie George. I mean, whoever I've met. Um, so you don't really get starstruck anymore. But it's just when you're in those meet and greets, the lines can go so fast. And, I, and to Cody's credit, he didn't rush this at all. But I guess I'm just used to that. And you got his crew listening. And you got people behind you listening. So it's kind of awkward, right? And – but I – so – I can make it sound like it was smooth and delivered well that night, but it probably was not. Uh, and I just said, hey, man, I said, you want to know how you can change the game? I said, I, I own and operate a independent country music festival. I said, before you laugh and think, oh, this, I got a fan that does a country music festival. I said, no, albeit. I said, we're not a big dog. We're not a big, big festival yet. I said, but I know you're friends with Jason Eady, and he headlined it two years ago, and I just had him for my birthday party two months ago, and he still speaks highly of you. And I said, I had your other good buddy, Cody Canada, headlined it last year. And I said, that old bastard Ward, I said, your best friend, <laughs> Ward Davis. I said, he's headlined this year, and I'm just, I'm fired up, can't wait. And I says, what I'm telling you is, I know I can't afford to pay you, 
what you're getting. And I told him some other things, what I would, uh, what we could settle on. And uh, I just said, hey, I'll pay this, this, and this. If you just make an appearance, just crash the party. So I won't tell you what he said, but. I mean, I wouldn't go put any uh, any FanDuel bets down that Cody Jinx is going to be at North Springs Music Festival. It's definitely a pipe dream. It's definitely something I don't anticipate will happen. But, boy, how cool would it be if if he was just happened to be off the weekend of October 12th and he find his way. I mean, he's found his way to Jackson County once. So you never know. You never know. But it's a funny business, and there's, there's uh, hoops to jump through and all kinds of crazy stuff. But. Anyway, not a, not a bad Thursday night to spend it even in Clarksville, Tennessee at a private, empty arena rehearsal show for Cody Jinx. And the bonus on the, you know, was Josh Morningstar being there. So, really cool. Um, what else is going on, man? I'd like to say I'm, say I'm brought to you tonight by Brenda Keith, Don Franklin, Chevrolet, Burksville, Kentucky. Whether you need new or used, Brenda's your girl. Uh, Brenda got to go see a dream show of mine the other day. You got to see my boy Tim Gooden at Renfro Valley up there in Kentucky, which is like a lot of people in Kentucky consider that their Grand Ole Opry. So Brenda got to go check that out. And Brenda's always going to a show. She's she was uh she's going up to see my boys t- Tony Logan, Alex Williams, and the Brandy Cole, Andrew Crawford this weekend in Paducah, Kentucky. So yeah, Brenda's uh Brenda's a hardcore music lover and a supporter of this podcast, supporter of the festival and uh and will love to sell you a Chevrolet or any used vehicle that's on the lot up there. Uh, she does a damn good job what she does. And so uh, I passed by the dealership the other day. We was playing ball in, uh, in Clarksville. Or not Clarksville, shit. Burksville. And I got to pass by not only Don Franklin Chevrolet, but another sponsor of ours uh, for the festival, um, the holler at DHL, my friend Jamie, Jamie Lynn Jenkins. So uh, thank you to everybody. And uh, thank you for tuning in this week to the North Springs Sessions podcast. And that's it. 18 minutes in, we're, uh, we're done. And um, No, I'm just kidding. we got other stuff to talk about. Um, Zach Bryan and Walker Hayes. It's the feud that I never, ever knew that I needed. Um, we know that Walker Hayes, fancy-like. We know that uh, all y'all video that I hate so bad. And Zach Bryan, I'm not a big, huge Zach Bryan fan. I've said that numerous times on this podcast to, to where I probably repeat myself and don't know it. But uh, I'm just not a huge fan. Something in the Orange, great. Oklahoma Smoke Show, great. Uh, there's several songs that are, that are good, but it's like I swear I think I've said this on the show that I just like feel like I just woke up in a coma, and all of a sudden this Zach Bryan guy was out and he had 40, 437 songs, and 430 of them sounded just a lot, you know. And I tend to not like stuff like that, but you got to respect his grind and hustle. I mean, he's he's out here on the road and he's killing it, making a lot of money. But uh, this feud began. Uh, let me let me get to it in my notes here. It began when um, Tyler Childers, the post comes from a response to a tweet earlier that Brian posted comparing Walker Hayes to Tyler Childers, who just notched his first 50, top 50 country radio hit with In Your Love, despite being in the music business for a decade and becoming one of the country's most beloved artists. And the quote from Zach Bryan said, Imagine being radio, whoever the hell that is, hearing Childers shake the frost and being like, nope, let's go with that Applebee's song. Uh, Brian wrote referencing a line in, in Hayes' TikTok dance-fueled hit, Fancy Like, which reached number three on the Billboard Top 100 in 2021 and stayed atop the hot country songs chart for 24 weeks. To which uh, the response back to that was... Um, 
Yeah, and it's it's a long quote here from uh, Walker Hayes. It says, me and my buddies were talking about the whole Zach Bryan thing. They were saying they appreciated how I responded. I confess that they only saw my best foot forward. I had 100 smart-ass responses in the chamber that I didn't fire off. Then we got to talking about people in general. While we get insecure, et cetera, et cetera mostly about how artists size each other up, compare and talk trash. It's obviously our nature, or I'm sorry, natural human tendency to be a little butthurt by anyone else's success. Then we wondered about that. Why on earth we would do that as songwriters, knowing that .0001% of us are actually making it in this business? took me 18 years to feed my kids with music, and I'll still knock something I hear on the radio because I didn't write it. So we tried our best to put it all in a twanger, and this is what we got. I hope it makes y'all talk about stuff that matters. I'm going to preface this by saying Walker Hayes is probably a very nice guy. Walker Hayes has a beautiful family, and Walker Hayes is probably a great father. And, and like a friend of mine who was a musician, musician said months ago, uh, that doesn't excuse him from making shitty music. And the fact that he gets mad when that song, Fancy Like, probably had no chance, really should have never been at number three, right? I mean, it's just, it's not a good song. It's catchy. All, I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan. I bet I could meet Walker Hayes and I could shake his hand and he would be a fantastic human being. But if you grow up listening to the outlaw country that I listen to and the Americana that I listen to now, I wished I liked Zach Bryan better so I could feel passionate about this one way or the other. But I want you to, I want to play this song uh, in disbelief that this is a real song. And let me see if I can get it going. All right, let me let me take a break and see if I can find it. Well, I woke up this morning and read something mean. Something in the orange tells me you're feeling green. Felt like throwing punches, but I just held them back. Cause Jesus didn't die for me. So I could fight with Zach Ryan. No hard feelings. Man, I'd be lying If I said I ain't never Talk shit about a radio record I thought mine was better It's kinda funny Ought to feel happy for any fool Making money Making songs Cause I know Most of us die trying be Zach Bryan. This is the nicest diss track in history. You know you can't hate the man because, I mean, he throws out Jesus in there. Like, how are you supposed to, how am I supposed to come back after playing that and be like, you know, with real D-back, throwing out Jesus in there and turning the other cheek. But you ain't supposed to do that in a diss track. You're supposed to burn old Zach Bryan for being sensitive and saying we all need to agree on things while disagreeing about everything. Uh... I don't, I don't know. It's the worst. I mean, like, imagine Tupac and Biggie throwing out Jesus in there. Like, they're trying to insult each other, but they're like, you know, talking about God in the middle of the East Coast, West Coast beef. And, uh, you know, the bad thing is probably five guys got together in Franklin at the, at the Starbucks there and wrote that song. And it's the best, uh, that's the best song he's ever released. I swear to you. That is, the, I mean, I was like bobbing my head a little bit. I was like, all right. 
Walker Hayes, that is the best song you've ever done. When the rest of, you know, the collection I've heard, you went out swinging, trying to be like Zach Bryan. I don't like, you know. Now, if he come out swinging on Childers, now, or Jinx, but now you can go to town on Zach Bryan for all I care. Zach Brown, you know. Zach Morris, you know, Zach Morris is a little more sacred to me. You know, stay off that my boy Zach Morris. But uh, I don't know. Walker Hayes, he's silly, isn't he? So I just got to thank him this Walker Hayes deal. Is there anybody that could have done this song better than Walker Hayes? Like if, if Fancy like, is it the lyrics? Is it Walker Hayes that makes it good, bad, indifferent? Like what if, what if somebody you knew that's a legend – sang the lyrics to to fancy like and that's when i think about my boy davo and davo just killed it a few weeks ago with nothing but a g thing on here i don't know if you heard it but it was a thing dj davo and dk uh so just just shooting shooting it out there tonight that what if davo did fancy like Hey, my girl's banging. She's so low maintenance. Don't need no champagne popping entertainment. I take her to Wendy's. It's not stolen corn. It's, it's good. Can't keep her off of me. She want to dip me like them fries in her frosty. But every now and then when I get paid... I like to get away. I've got to spoil my baby with an upgrade. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. We fancy like Applebee's on a date night. Got that Bourbon Street steak with the Oreo shake. Get some whipped cream on the top. Two straws, one check. Girl, I got you. I'm David Paul Scantlin, freaking Gainsborough legend. Bougie like Natty in the styrofoam. Squeak, squeaking in the truck bed all the way home. You know what that means. It's sexual. It's provocative. Some Alabama jamma. She's my Dixieland delight. I'm more of a raised song in the South kind of guy. Whatever, it works. That's how we do, how we do, because we're fancy like, oh. Fancy like, oh. Fancy like, oh, I said, Jesus Christ, me, Wayne Harris, DK, Barry Gore. It's, it's crazy. Diana and Barry Nav could wrote this song. Like all of us together, drinking on at coffee at Haven on Hole, could write this. Don't need no Tesla to impress her. My girl's happy rolling on a Vespa. I have no idea what a Vespa is. To be completely honest, I'm from Gainesboro. I've lived here my whole life. I have no idea what a Vespa even is. I don't need no mansion to get romancing. She's super fine, double wide. I do like them a little thick. Slow dancing, but every now and then when I get paid, I gotta spoil my baby 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. The Applebee's date night, the bourbon steak, the Oreo shake. It's not a Dairy Queen blizzard, which I love on a Wednesday night. The song is still going in another one. It, it, it's not even the same song anymore. So I don't know if you ever heard me with my cajon at 12 degrees tavern with Turner would shut it down, but we're going to go acapella. And I'm going to say one last time, fancy like Applebee's on a date night, the Bourbon Street steak, it's not the Bull and Thistle steak by any stretch of the imagination, but it's all right. It'll mean it's okay. With the Oreo shake, get some whipped cream on top. Got to add the whipped cream. Like you remember on Varsity Blues with the girls naked. I swear to God, I remember it. Me, Harper, Casey, Peg, we all watched Varsity Blues for that one scene. It's crazy. She come out like he's the quarterback, and all of a sudden he's the backup. And then the one, the Lance got hurt. And all of a sudden, uh, he was the starter. Johnny Moxon, star quarterback. I don't know if you remember that. I am ad-libbing all of this right now. This Davo thing was not planned. But all of a sudden, like, she comes out. the blonde. She's the cheerleader. It's Lance's girl. And she had the freaking whipped cream. Oh, my God. I'll never get over it. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Gainsboro freaking legend. Swear to God. Alabama Jamma Dixie Lane Delight. David Ball Scantlin. And I'm out. I've sung with Cody Jinks. I've sung with Ward Davis. I'm the baddest son of a bitch in Gainsboro. And I could sing fancy like, and it wouldn't have went to number three. It went to number one. I swear to God, DK. Put me on Nashville star, American Idol, whatever. I'm a freaking star. <clears throat> my voice hurts every time I do that. And I know it's hard to judge my Devo out of this headset that echoes a little bit. But uh, and if y'all don't know, all you people from out of town that don't know Devo, Devo um, you're going to have to change that October 11th and 12th. He's going to be the guy with the cowboy hat with no top. It's a long story. I had a dog. He ate the damn cow. You know, whatever. You'll hear the story. Gainesville, freaking legend. I also like to thank Helen's Restaurant, uh, one of the uh, longest staple restaurants since 1987 on Highway 56 in Gainesville, Tennessee. Uh, best known for their catfish, but man, they got everything on the menu that's going to uh, keep you happy. Kristen, Carol, uh, the whole family there, uh, love that bunch. I am going to give Kristen a little hell because she's one of the biggest fans of the North Springs Music Fest. She's only been once because Carol works her butt off. But um, she can't come because, you know, priorities. She's decided that booking an all-inclusive um, trip to Mexico is a priority over the North Springs Music Fest. So, Kristen, slightly disappointed. I don't want to hope that you, you know, get diarrhea or sprain your ankle or anything like that on your all-inclusive trip. But I just want you to know that them Dirty Roses and Ward Davis and Taylor Honeycutt and everybody on the damn lineup and your favorite favorites, Addison and Rye, are going to melt North Springs down like they always do while you're getting drunk in Mexico all-inclusively and stuff. So that's my friends at Helen's Restaurant. Thank them once again for uh, being a part of this podcast and, uh, and all everything I do. So 
I'm legit out of breath. I mean, this is pathetic. This is pathetic that I talk like Davo for five minutes, and I, I felt like I just run like a you know, 5K. What any blue hells up with me? I'm serious. <clears throat> John Denton didn't run me this hard in 2002. All right, I went and got some oxygen and came back and going to talk about something that's it's really kind of crazy to talk about, kind of uncomfortable. I'm not going to go into details on it, but. There's no way I cannot talk about Vince McMahon and all the scandal that's going on. And I know this is seems like a, a TMZ gossipy. We don't, don't get into this kind of stuff. You know, the only thing with gossipy we've done really is the Oliver Anthony stuff with the Cotton Eye Joes. Was one of the first episodes we've done, but but really just kind of piggybacking off the last episode because we talked about on here last time we talked about how you know of course WWE and UFC had, had merged in 2023 under Endeavor and the TKO brand and. Now it's just reported as as we talked about on the last podcast how Netflix has purchased the rights of the flagship show of WWE um, Monday Night Raw beginning in January 2025 to go live exclusive on Netflix and that was a 10 year five billion dollar deal um, which is just you know that'll change the game completely for for sports entertainment and for everything that we know we knew as the WWE and. So no matter who is in charge, you're always if you're if you're my age especially that watched it all the way through the '80s, '90s, 2000s, and currently, you know, 40 years old and basically watched it my entire life, and you always associate WWE and professional wrestling as a whole. You, you associate the McMahon family, whether it's Vince, mostly Vince, right? Stephanie, Shane, Linda. Um, so they've been in our lives, if you're my age, really your entire life. Um, so even when Vince sold amidst all his, you know, the, the rumors of his mistresses and all the, the things, all the uh, alleged affairs he'd have, and when Linda kind of caught wind of those, you, you can't tell me Linda just caught wind of them in June 2023, but regardless, um, or 22, whenever it happened, I'm sorry, I don't have every note. There's so much, it's like a 67-page suit that's out um but anyway that's when vince had these girls sign um 14.6 million dollars worth of ndas where basically hey he pays you you never talk about it again um so this hits this hits right after the very next day that i released the podcast so it's in january 25th it comes out and it's just that vince mcmahon has been named by a former WWE employee named Janelle Grant, 43 years old, um, of rape and trafficking, which, I mean, wow. You know, you talk about things that you talk about people and allegations made against people, and, you know, in the culture we live in now, we always believe the victim right off the bat, it's, you know, uh, guilty until proven innocent, uh, just backwards of the way we've always looked at things and um but man i tell you what vince mcmahon to me has always had i've always loved vince mcmahon i've always been intrigued by vince mcmahon as a youngster especially like growing up just knowing that this guy took his father's regional promotion out of the dingy um arenas of the northeast and made it a global phenomenon right i mean you go from you go from with you partner up with hulk hogan you go completely Worldwide, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they keep going global. You know, they're they're a, a privately uh, a public public 
traded company for you know a couple decades now and uh, just the success that this man's had but there's always been like there's always been this little whimpers of Vince done this and Vince done that and it's nothing this is nothing new so I think you know when this report came out that there was several women uh, that he was paying hush money to like nobody in my friend circle or nobody that knows anything about professional wrestling and sports entertainment was like ultimately surprised that Vince McMahon was doing this kind of stuff right um but I, I don't think anybody could have anticipated the information that was released in this uh, in this hearing that's going on. Uh, like I said, Janelle Grant had worked. She was she was kind of hard on her luck. Had lost both of her elderly elderly parents. Uh, she didn't have a job. She was going through a um, bankruptcy. Someone said, "Hey, Vince McMahon lives in this apartment complex in, in a uh, penthouse. You should meet Vince." So he hires her supposedly along the way sometimes he says hey to keep your job and to keep doing what you're going to do there's going to be favors right and vince ultimately isn't the only businessman that's ever lived his life like that and we know this but so 2019 happens 2021 and all this you know nothing's coming out and then it comes out where vince is gets caught and so he 14.6 million dollars in ndas three million of which to miss grant um, so the so you ask yourself if she signed an NDA then why are we at the process and the point of where we at well apparently supposedly compared uh, if you talk to Janelle Grant on this she she was only paid one million of the three million so now she's talking right and uh, it's just completely took over like I'm reading about it every day every night I'm telling Lindsay some new fact about the Vince McMahon case and she could care less I mean, she couldn't care any less about Vince McMahon in this reality world that she thinks we're living in. But it's like I've watched Vince McMahon before I even knew he was the owner of the WF, you know, being the announcer. One, two, he got it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Anybody can win the anybody can win the Royal Rumble. Anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. Is Virgil gonna win the Royal Rumble? Hell no, Vince. Roy, Virgil ain't winning the Royal Rumble. Like he just captivated you as a kid as an announcer. Then you get older and you realize he's the guy who runs the ship here. And things, like I said, before we get into this some of the sicko things of Vince McMahon. This goes back so long, so long with Vince. I mean, we know he beat the steroid trial when he was accused of uh, selling and pushing wrestlers in the early 90s to taking steroids. Um, it goes all the way back to 1992 when he was uh, alleged uh, to turn a blind eye to sexual misconduct among uh, male youths where Pat Patterson, the head of operations, who went on to be creative, uh, one of Vince's best friends for years and years, who was a, a known um, homosexual that, uh, you know, Terry Garvin, performer there, Mel Phillips, an announcer on the ring in a ring crew, uh, that basically they were having a, ca a casting couch culture, is the quote used on the internet here, um, that basically uh, the Mel Phillips was accused of, of well, just read some of the, some of the stuff here, um, the drop to paper. At least broadly, pointed to Patterson and Garvin engaging in casting couch culture with male wrestlers and other personnel, while also enabling Phillips to use his job to groom and molest underage ring boys who he brought in as day laborers on his crew. All three resigned, although WWE later claimed that Phillips was instantly, initially suspended. Only Patterson would return, likely benefiting from his greater value to the company and discrediting of the most vocal accusers. Um, He goes on to say that uh, 
in the case. You know, the case went on with with McMahon and and his and his staff were basically um, it all got thrown under the rug for all those years. Then, um, it says a year after that, in 2021, report from Babyface versus Hill unearthed a September 1993 FBI memo revealing that the bureau had a videotape of Phillips not only molesting a boy in the ring for a WWE show, but doing so the exact way accusers had described. WWE had previously obtained a video, a copy of the video in the first half of '92. The FBI's Behavioral Sciences Unit, uh, though in a separate memo from December 93, disregarded the videotape because it happening in a public setting provided, in their view, too many alternate explanations. Aside from a brief forgotten stint as an independent promoter, Phillips disappeared from public life after his WWF career ended. So, also in 1992, Rita Chatterton comes forward alleging Vince McMahon raped her in 1986. Um, basically, according to Chatterton, she met McMahon in his limo where he forced himself on her twice and fired her by invoking a rule he had previously mentioned about her not being allowed to fraternize, fraternize with the co-workers. McMahon would sue Chatterton as well as Geraldo Rivera and his associates in February 93, albeit alleging a civil conspiracy as opposed to defamation. Before dropping the suit a year later, Chatterton didn't breathe a word of the allegations publicly for the next three decades. Uh, and then come when all this happened in June of 2022, coming off the initial Wall Street Journal article about McMahon settling sexual misconduct claims, Chatterton broke her silence in a New York magazine um, saying um, it was supported by contemporary outcry witness Leonard Mario Mancini, who went to wrestling school with her. Was she taken advantage of? Absolutely. Was she scared to death? Absolutely. Did she want to do that? Probably not. In December 22, Greg the Hammer Valentine told the Wall Street Journal that Chatterton had told him as well while they shared a joint in a parking lot in Albany, New York. Uh, Valentine did not believe the act as he said she was not attractive enough um, for Vince McMahon. 1992, McMahon's role in Jimmy Snuka evading domestic violence and potentially murder charges revealed against his wife. Uh, look at that story. I'm not going to sit there and talk about that story. Basically, there's always rumor Jimmy Snuka had something to do with the death of his wife and Vince McMahon turned a blind eye. Um, a t a 2000, there's another one that I didn't get printed off here. 2006, a tanning salon employee files a police report against McMahon allegedly for forcible groping. Um, it happened in Florida um, where he had a seasonal residence, went to the local tanning salon, uh, Tanza Bar, to refresh his tan for one of the biggest shows of the year. The clerk would um, allege in a police report that McMahon showed her nude photos of himself unprompted and forcibly groped her. When she managed to get away, she said McMahon told her he was only trying to have some fun. The Palm Beach uh, Post broke the story a few days later with Vince's wife, Linda, telling them that the allegations were totally bizarre, while their daughter, Stephanie, confirmed that Vince was a Tanzibar regular. Oh, man. Let's see. This did not print off the way um wanted it to. So here's another. This is something I never heard until I looked this up last night. Um, the settlement that happened last year was $14.6 million. We know $3 million was to go to Janelle Grant. There was another one for $7.5 million that I'm surprised being a lifelong wrestling fan. I've never heard of this. 
Sediment went on to a woman to a woman who the journal describes a former wrestler who alleged McMahon coerced her into giving him oral sex and then demoted her and ultimately declined to renew her contract in 2005 after she resisted further sexual encounters. Um, it's the only one where the allegation of a sexual contact is framed as coerced with a woman in question apparently suggesting she did not fully consent. The settlement didn't come back in 2005 uh, when the wrestler was fired, though it came out in 2018 after the wrestler and her lawyer reached out to McMahon and negotiated the $7.5 million settlement in exchange for a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, that would place it just after the Me Too movement blew up after the wake of reporting Harvey Weinstein's misconduct in the New York Times. Um, there's another one where, let's see, a woman described as a WWE contractor presented the company with un unsolicited new photos of McMahon that she said he had sent her, that's the tanning salon, while also accusing him of sexual harassment, resulted in a $1 million settlement in 2008. Uh, former WWE wrestler Paul London accused McMahon of sexually harassing his then-girlfriend, Ashley Mazzaro, who's no longer with us, by the way. Um, I do remember specifically many times where she would be crying to me because Vince was propositioning her to fly on his private jet with them. Uh, Kevin Dunn, Bucktooth Bookie, would be telling her that she was on the to fly on the jet with them. Every now and then, they'd always pull the, put the divas up at a TV hotel or whatever, and he'd be knocking at the door trying to get her to answer. He said, I'm so shocked this Vince stuff is just coming out. I haven't looked up on a lot of it, but I'm surprised it hasn't come out within the last 10 years. But it goes to show how afraid people are about the power dynamic when they're so fearful of losing their job. What does that say about you for protecting this 90-year-old corpse with a thong tan line just because he's a billionaire? So all this, all this was the precursor to this big thing that's came out to where we really just learn, allegedly, what kind of man Vince McMahon is and it goes back to an old Playboy interview that Vince had a hell of a childhood. There was rumors that um, non-confirmed rumors that he was uh, molested, possibly by his mother and uh, uh, friends of his stepbrother. Uh, he broke away from her years later to go live with Vince Senior, and you know learn about the business. Uh, man, it, it's just crazy um, when you talk about you know th this stuff. All this stuff is bad. But then, you know, when you bring out rape and trafficking, I mean, that's that's criminal charges, and it's it's not going to go away. I don't um, – and you look at everything that's involved, some of the text messages. I'm not going to read the text messages. Text messages are out there if you want to Google them. Just go to Google and find – I mean, it's I, – I just can't – and, you know, maybe I'm – oh, God, maybe I'm bad for doing this. But I'm so used to Vince McMahon, the character. I couldn't have I, – I read some of the damn text messages as vulgar and as – awful as they were I, I read them in the mr mcmahon voice oh you're gonna love it janelle oh my god they loved you i show i show the ring crew and they said oh my god vince she's so hot i mean i just i can't I, like vince mcmahon like i grew up as the character like i grew up vince mcmahon being on television i can't get over this stuff but some of the but you know um so yeah just read the text message if you want to just be completely grossed out um, read, the, read the text messages but now one thing you can say here's where the lines are blurred right because they're gonna, you're going to have people attack Vince McMahon on, obviously because of what they read there's going to be people on the flip side of that attack Janelle Grant because they're saying well she took all this stuff I mean she was having sex with Vince McMahon but basically she, she was saying that Vince in this, in this claim that, that 
he told her that he had the best high-powered attorneys if she said no and if she stopped doing this then I guess when he got tired of her, it alleges that he basically trafficked her to John Laurinaitis, an executive with WWE. Um, there was an ex-UFC superstar hinted that that he was using this young lady as a as a prop, basically as something as a a bribe that if they could get the former UFC superstar, which we all know who is allegedly um, who that is, and oh man, so. So, yeah, she accepted a bunch of gifts. In 2022, McMahon continued his generosity with a luxury car, BMW, spa gift certificate, private chef catered dinners, more jewelry, substantial Bloomingdale gift card, and a unique food and tea set from Saudi Arabia along with uh, regular floral deliveries. But, I mean, again, I hope it, whatever comes out happens. But, um, you know, the fact that she said... You know, she was doing it consensually with Vince for a while, but then he would have, I mean, there was there was crazy things like sex toys he used on her to wear blue, bruised and bled, and he would name them after his wrestlers, and he forced himself on her on a massage table, and he was showing, he was requesting photos and videos which she was sending, and he was showing ring crew, and he was showing other wrestlers, and, um, and there was... Uh, I mean, the, the, the grossest thing is a, uh, a hint of an alleged threesome where he defecated on the victim. What? What? Like, who's who's that fun for? Imagine being another dude, and you're, you're, you think it's consensual, and all of a sudden Vince just, it's all hot and steamy. You're like, what, what are you doing? You know, I'm not trying to make a lot of this, but who does that? Like, I've, heard, I've only heard about this stuff. Like, the people enjoy this weirdness. Like how messed up is this man? And like, and for years it's been a joke. Like within WWE fans, like just how weird his mind is. I mean, Stephanie even had an interview saying that when she was pregnant with one of Triple H's kids, that you know, Vince had wanted to write into a storyline an incest angle where he'd be the father of it. I mean, it's just it, it's it sucks because I'm a lifelong WWE fan, and we hope it's not true. You know, you hope this is just somebody. <laughs> I mean. I, I really didn't even debate whether I would even touch this. and I was, The text message you just can't read. Like, the only thing, I am, I am curious about the former UFC superstar because they're blackballing him. Like, basically, Vince McMahon is a toxic name right now. You just can't bring up toxic, you know, Vince McMahon, his, his, Lauren Itis, his associate. But the UFC superstar, I mean, like, really, he responded to some text messages where Vince was saying, oh, yeah, she knows you're part of the deal. And he's like, LOL, that's your turf, pal. And, uh, she, once I had it, you wouldn't, yours wouldn't be good enough. Basically, paraphrasing that, and there was requests for some videos of urinating, which again, it's like the defecating to me. Why? What kind of sicko are you? It's creepy. Um, there's a lot of freaky things you can do in a bedroom that those two wouldn't even begin to. <laughs> it'd be something I'd. I, I can't normal people like what, peeing and defecate. I mean, it's, it's crazy talk to me. So I, I'm like, it's weird some of the things you the former UFC superstar would ask for, but I don't know really what he'd done for sure wrong in this. Nowhere near, you know, it doesn't have him pinning her down in a massage or office on a massage table or in an office. So just a very weird, like, again, it just it sucks because I think about all the wrestlers who looked up to Vince like a father figure, right? Like there's so many of these guys that you just hope are not part of this once all the details come out because – 
so many guys who've wrestled there for 20, 25, 30, 15, 20 years. I mean, that really I've heard them talk on interviews like how much they look up to Vince and idolize Vince and, and hold him in such reverence. And, um, man, I'm telling you, those text messages were so wild. I was reading them one night. Till I was just reading them. She's like, shut that filth up. I don't want to hear that. I'm like, this is, this is Vince. Like, I feel like I know Vince. You know, I don't know Vince. I never met him. But I've just I've grown up in the watching the WWF, WWE, and some of this is so disturbing. And you know, again, what are we to say? I mean, because there's going to be those cynical people out there be like, well, yeah, she can claim this, but she sure was taking the BMW. She sure was getting the Botox. Hey, I'm not. You're not. I'm not going to get in the middle of all that because we don't know the truth yet. Um, but I, you know, in the very end of it. Vince, Vince is a billionaire, and he stiffed this girl on $2 million. I mean, she was going to keep quiet because that's what she agreed to do in June. But he don't give her the $2 million, so all this comes out. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong either. But it's just wild to me. I know I'm rambling, and I had some notes down, whatever, but I just, I just don't know where you go with this if you're Vince McMahon. I mean, this man worked his ass off to get that company where it's at. And become even more of a billionaire by selling it. And now Netflix. You gotta think what I mean, what what is Ari Emanuel, the CEO of Endeavor? What's what's he thinking? What's The Rock thinking? I mean, Emmanuel spends all that money, that five billion dollars to get Monday Night Raw there. The Rock invests as a board member to come on board and all this negative Vince talk is just taken over and I mean the, this culture these days. I mean, they've got Vince McMahon in the in the realm of Chris Benoit, and we know what Chris Benoit done. If you don't Google it, I'm not mentioning that either. Uh, and it's it's crazy because Vince has got away with it for a long time, and, man, this is, I don't know. This is just crazy to me. Um, I, I don't think I have. But defecation, that bothers me just as bad as, like, like I just want it to be fake. I want it to, I want it to be somebody just looking for fame, looking for money. Uh, you just hate to believe that people are just are that way. Uh, would trafficking? I mean, that is that's a pretty serious freaking accusation just to throw out. So, mm. but as far as that goes, um, if you're asking like with the way the culture is, and if this if this is true, if this is true, will you ever see? Vince McMahon or John Laurinaitis or some of these guys that's going to be in the middle of this. Will you ever see them on WWE television again? Sad day, man. We can joke about the very end in there, but <laughs> it's Vince McMahon. Grew up on him. It's a sad, pathetic. Mm, it's, hope it's not true. And uh, just to finish the show, who who I got in the Super Bowl this coming Sunday? Not this coming Sunday. Yes, it is February 11th. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs 
San Francisco 49ers, you know, the Chiefs, 49ers, Chiefs been there, they've been there every year almost. Seems like they're in the mix of it in the last five, six years. Uh, 49ers, one of the best uh, put-together rosters in the NFL, deep rosters. And, um, you know, and what, what we're not talking about enough is Brock Purdy being Mr. Irrelevant, and he's leading the team to the Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey being probably the best running back the whole package running back in the game. Some of these receivers they've got. Kelsey being a Hall of Famer. Mahomes being a Hall of Famer. But everything that's getting the headlines, and, man, people are strong about this. People feel so strongly about this, is Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, Brittany uh, Mahomes to a lesser extent. You know, last year it was Brittany Mahomes and Jackson Mahomes, Patrick's wife and brother, and they were doing TikToks and everything else. And so that's took over the world last year. But now Tay-Tay coming on board. Um, and, man, people are just livid both ways. Taylor Swift is the epitome of our culture, our society in 2024 because you can't be in the middle. You have to either be all Team Tay-Tay or you hate her guts. You can't understand why she's in football. When her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, may go down as the greatest tight end in the history of the game. Certainly right there with Gronk and Tony Gonzalez right now in the conversation, you know, starting to be in the conversation. Um, I put something on Facebook the other day, and it was a complete joke, and I got a couple comments where people was questioning and, you know, giving their opinion pro Tay-Tay. And, you know, and I, I respect those people's opinions. I just – it missed the mark. For me, it missed the mark because I never – like, I when I post on Facebook, I post for – Usually to be silly. If anybody knows me other than like Shaquille O'Neal and, and, and good music, I'm not just completely one way or the other. Like, you know, I, I'm pretty open-minded about stuff. I'm I'm just not like it has to be this way, right? Um, so I, most of the time when I post something that has words, it's not just me promoting my music. It, it's meant with a grain of salt. It's meant to be a little bit funny. So here's what I put, paraphrase, because I deleted it because I just like I ain't got time for these <laughs> for this stuff. But basically, I just said it was a picture of Jackson and Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift under the press box doing their thing. And I just said, so in a nutshell, as a lifelong Tennessee Titans fan, I could never root for the low-life Baltimore Ravens. Not ever, not even if there's a fire. I said, so that being said, I said, we are all now San Francisco 49ers fans after the Chiefs defeated the Ravens. I said, we don't need to watch TikTok videos of Jackson and Brittany Mahomes popping bottles of champagne all over the field of the Super Bowl. I don't need Tay-Tay doing her fake, I'm so shocked. Oh, my God, my boyfriend just scored another touchdown face. Um, I don't need all this. I said, 49ers, bring us together and stop the madness on February 11th. I said, also, side note, side note shout out to Detroit Lions head coach Dan Campbell for uh, going for it on fourth down like it's me playing against Waylon and we have neither one of us nothing to live for. Like the only difference is fourth and 20, I'm throwing that shit every time on Waylon. He's like, really, Dad, just punt. I'm like, it's Madden. What have I got to lose, for God's sakes? This man had a chance to take one of the most um, cursed franchises in the history of four major sports to a Super Bowl, and he just like refused to take the three points to kick the field goal to tie the game, and San Francisco goes on to win it, as we know. So it was a shot at the Ravens. It was a shot at Dan Campbell. I mean, 
respected Ann Campbell, but you know, for going for it, it was his, you know, it was his thing all year. But instead, like most people knew, I was joking. But I had a couple girls who I actually like a lot. They're like, "Well, you're looking at this all wrong. Like, what's it matter? They're showing her 30 seconds in a 60-minute game, and like, you need to be respecting that Taylor has done so much for the youth, for females, and for, um, you know, Brittany Mahomes is a is a, is a soccer uh, owner of a soccer club, and uh, it's good to um, they're they're there to support their husbands and boyfriends, and they're just being supportive women, and they're being you know, strong, independent women, and that's the way we want to raise our kids, being strong and independent. And I'm like, man, that missed its mark, huh? Like, I'm just talking about her stupid-ass faces. <laughs> you know, like, like uh, I don't I, – is she there to watch football? Is she there to support her boyfriend? Does she know, do I think she knows what a what a nickel defense is? No, no, uh-uh. but I don't care. I don't, I'm not as hell-bent on some of these guys that are like, get her off my football program, by God, get her back in the kitchen. Like, it, my post was like, like I wanted to edit my post and be like, uh, um, I love women. You've probably heard. Um, I'm a fan of the opposite sex. This is no way to degrade women. It was basically, um, I basically got on here to say, F the Baltimore Ravens and Dan Campbell has a set of nuts that I don't because I would have kicked the field goal. Uh, and by the way, go 49ers because, you know, like everybody else, I'm not a Chiefs fan, so I'm ready for them to lose. I mean, but people were like, people who I like were commenting on it. And I'm just like, okay, well, obviously you don't remember the CMA Awards. Like, why do you hate Taylor Swift so bad? I don't. Like, I don't know what Taylor Swift has done. I don't follow Taylor. I don't, I'm don't. i I'm glad that little girls like her. I think she's probably a good role model. Yes, I think she's a great role model for a youth girl. She has built, like, she chased her dream and she's built. She's the biggest pop star in the world, right? But it doesn't mean I have to not have PTSD from watching the CMA Awards, video of the year, video of the year, Taylor Swift. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I won. Uh, best female vocalist of the year, Taylor Swift. Oh my god! I beat Reba. I beat Reba. Oh my god. I can't believe I just won. And somebody on Facebook was like, "It's gratitude. Like she can't show gratitude. Well, of course she can show gratitude. Video of the year, Taylor Swift. Oh my god! Oh my god! Entertainer of the year." Taylor Swift. Oh, my God. I can't believe Shut up, Taylor. You've won six awards tonight. At some point, you know it's coming. You have your acceptance speech out. You knew it. Don't be so shocked. Don't be fake, Tay-Tay. That's all the thing. I'm... Yeah. The other day, she was like, oh, my God, what happened? Did he catch it that down? Yeah. I mean, hell, yeah. I'm glad she's on top of the world. I'm glad she is a role model for females. I don't even care that she don't know football. If I if I've lucked up somehow and I got if I ever got a divorce and 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 met a an Italian female pro soccer player, if I dated one of the one percent of women that are probably heterosexual in the, NBA, in the WNBA and married a WNBA superstar, I, I don't have to know their sport to go support them. I don't care that she know if she don't know the difference between sliding into home safe and third down. I you know I, I don't care what Taylor Swift knows about football. I just hate her face. That's all I'm saying. I don't like her face. I don't like the shocked face. It ain't real. Y'all can talk Brittany Mahomes up for being the great person she is or not. I watched her pour champagne over a cold crowd last year. Imagine being somebody sober in the crowd. Having to drive home smelling like champagne because this this thing, Brittany Mahomes, sprays champagne all over the place. 
Get you soaking wet because she was so classy about the Chiefs pulling off the upset. Um, it's just getting to where, like, man, I don't even want to joke on Facebook anymore because I just can't believe people take stuff so serious. I just, I forget. Like, I'm like, oh, we're friends on Facebook. I forgot because I didn't know because you never comment. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not talking about this particular uh, instance because, again, I, I like the folks. So I can, I can have a, um, you know, we can we can chat it up and talk when it's not that serious. I don't want people thinking I'm being that serious. I say a lot of stuff out of pocket that I don't care right or wrong. I just like to mess with people sometimes, but I forget that our culture is changing so much that boy, you better you better mean everything you put on Facebook because you can't um, words can't be caught in they can be lost in transla translation. You know, you can't read sarcasm whether it's sarcasm or not. Um, you know, I had, I had my buddy Ricky Head text me one day. I had posted something on Facebook, and he said, man, you sure know how to piss people off. You're like me. You piss them off. don't even mean to. And I said, what are you talking about? And I had posted something that morning on Facebook during the snowstorm, and all I said was, hey, people are asking about the roads. So I was giving an update because, like I think I said on here, from North Springs to the Jackson County side of of the Gainesville grade are fantastic, zero issues. Once you get past the Putnam County side in Gainesville, or in a, on a, the Gainesville grade, it's like a whole new, completely different road. So I like to make fun of the unspoken Facebook prayer request, right? I said, so basically I say all this to say, hey, shout out Jackson County Road Crews for doing a hell of a job. And also um, I would like to say an unspoken Facebook prayer request uh, as I brave the elements to drive in the rest of my commute to work here in Buffalo, New York, a.k.a. Cookville, Tennessee. Obviously, I was joking. Obviously, I was joking. I know people are out busting their butts in this weather, right? It was more or less just like, hey, man, Jackson County did really good. Then you get everybody saying, well, you forgot about 4111. Like Putnam County is a lot bigger than Jackson County. I'm like, girl, I'm not, no. Damn. Your husband work on the road crew? Like, I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make Putnam County sing, sound lesser than like they're at home just chilling, eating a bag of Fritos while Jackson County's out here doing all these things on the road. I understand Putnam County is substantially larger than Jackson County. It was just funny because we all know it's true that anybody's traveled the grade during bad conditions. Jackson County side's good. Putnam County side's not. That's facts. Argue with the wall. I don't know what to tell you. It's just I was stating the facts. That's how the roads looked. I understand that people's out here doing stuff. I want people to be like, dude, it's a, it's, well, I can't say. There's a, there's a saying that says, it's a joke, not a, you know, what? Don't take it so hard. I mean, you know, like, dude, how long have you been following me on Facebook? I don't try to be that controversial. I want to make you laugh. But I guess sometimes I need to, I need to know the room. I need to know that it's 2024 and not 1994. And, and people are just looking for a reason to be upset. And, I hate that for people. I do. Like, we take this life so serious. Hey, Van Wilder, the great American philosopher Van Wilder said a long time ago, don't take life so serious. You're not going to get out alive anyway. And I'm paraphrasing because I'm, I'm a terrible movie quoter. But, guys, <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, I don't understand why we all, why we have to take this life so serious. I really don't. I don't care about Taylor Swift. If you Swifties want to come off, 
hey, there's millions of people that's watching football. The NFL loves it. I mean, they love this attention. They love it. And and they should. And they should. I just don't want to see her face. And somebody's like, one of the people, again, one of my friends said, you, you surely understand the marketing ploy of this hosting your own event. Sure. I mean, I have to talk about it all the time. I mean, I have to put the festival down people's throats. So ultimately, yeah, I'm fine with her showing it. I'm okay. I don't care if they do a live interview. I'd rather see a live interview for, with her at halftime than I would these head coaches that don't want to be doing the interviews. I'm just sorry. I'm sick of her face. That's all. Sick of her face. So I'm just going to shake it off, I guess. Goodness. People so serious these days. Why so serious? That's what I say, Joker. Why so serious? <sighs> Man, well, maybe one of these days we can go laugh and watch a bunch of 1980s comedy and sketch comedy and stand-up comedy and be like, you know what? Those were the good old days. Who known that we were going to get school sensitive in 2024? I love y'all. Let's laugh together. Let's have fun together. Don't take each other so serious on Facebook, on the Book of Faces, because it ain't real anyway, if you hadn't noticed it. Nothing's real on the Book of Faces, friends. And uh, But you're making it real hard on me, a guy who likes to be lighthearted and take serious matters not so serious. And uh, so it really makes me consider, hey, let's don't even put it on Facebook because God knows it's going to be so serious. Thank you for listening to tonight's podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you for the support. I love each and every one of you. And I will talk to you guys next week on the North Spring Sessions with DK.